0: Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. In what is shaping up to be one of the Premier League's most competitive title races in recent years, City already face an uphill task to catch runaway leaders Arsenal. Next up for the Blues is a trip to Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, an opponent and a venue that has been the birthplace of many a City title challenge in the past. It's Wednesday the 4th of January, I'm Amos Murphy.
1: I'm Adam Booker. And I'm Alex Brotherton.
0: And this is the City Report
2: Podcast.
0: Unbelievable. Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6. It's 2 for Jekyll. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. The impossible, possible. Happy New Year, folks. Um, Adam, this is our first episode together. Um, How did you bring the new year in over on the never eat shredded wheat West Coast?
3: One day you'll get it. I know, Um, I know. Yeah, it is our first episode together. I'd gotten through a couple of days now of not having to be with you. And I thought maybe I'd I'd get lucky in 2023 and go maybe (laughs) a month without you. But um, I. Rang in the new year by doing nothing. felt That's a all. little bit felt a little bit ill in on the day on New Year's Eve, and so my uh, Laura and I decided to just stay in, played some cards at which she cheated at, so we stopped. and oh. then um, and then we were in bed by ten thirty, got up the next day and got to watch my NFL team get absolutely smacked by our bitter bitter rivals. so, I couldn't have rung in the New Year's with a worse day.
0: Jesus, that sounds rough. That sounds really rough. I'm dis- disappointed with Laura with that with that revelation. It's like report podcast exclusive.
3: She cl- she claims that it wasn't cheating, but it was it was cheating, and it's a game that we get very heated at. So,
0: <laughs> well, it is a PG show, so we'll leave it there. Alex, how did you spend New Year's Eve?
1: Um yeah, it was it was good. I um been a bit under the weather myself, I think everyone has been, but uh oh, what's wrong with
0: you all, do you mate?
1: <laughs> Puts up sufficiently to um yeah, just kept it kept it a quiet one in the sort of around mine, met a few mates and it was nice. Uh didn't didn't get involved in the the scrum that is Manchester City Centre on New Year's Eve. Um mm, yeah, yeah me neither. Didn't, didn't fancy recreating that famous uh, or infamous photo. <laughs> oh, I knew
0: it
3: was going to
1: say that. Yeah, I <laughs> um, But yeah, it was it was good. And then yeah, obviously City let us down a bit, didn't they? But uh, apart from that, it was it was a decent decent. That, uh, that
0: was last year. That's all I'm saying. That was last True. year. You know, True. come on, new year, new us. Let let us move on. Um, and in t- typical fashion, we're going to start exactly by speaking about that that one one draw. It's obviously as you can tell by the title of the show, it's a Chelsea preview, Adam. Um, I think we're in the stage now where we've had it a few times. Leicester in 2018-19, West Bromwich Albion, 2020-2021. Go back in, into City's first title winning campaign, the defeat against Sunderland. Last minute, the the infamous, jeez, done it for Sunderland. Um, City have these results, don't they? And they seem to come at this time of year. Usually, in the past, they go on and lift the trophy is it going to be the same this year? Let's let's start the year on a positive. Is it going to be the same this year? Will we look back at Everton 1, Manchester City 1, or Manchester City 1, Everton 1, and go, that was a starting point of one of those magical, magical runs?
3: Yeah, I mean, if if City hadn't done this a few times in the past five or six years, come from behind midway in the season um, to to chase down whoever the leaders were, obviously it's been United in the past, it's been Liverpool in the past, Um, then I would say, no, I don't really hold out much hope. But given the fact that they have done it multiple times and they seem to thrive being the chasers in a title race, um, then, yeah, there's there's absolutely every reason in the world to hold out hope, And especially given the fact that we've yet to play Arsenal once this season. So there's six points up for grabs against them, assuming they're who we're chasing through the bulk of the season. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I mean, this is the time of year when there tends to be one of those shock results like the, like the Sunderland, like you said, um, I think there was a loss away to Newcastle a few days before the Liverpool game. I yeah, want to say but, maybe yeah, yeah. Um, so I think there was a home day, yeah. and then, uh, yeah. And there was a home loss to palace as well, yeah, which I yeah. think was, was a few weeks before a few games before that Liverpool game that in 2018, 19 season. So, yeah, there's every reason to hold out hope. And um, until City are maybe, you know, 12, 13 points back, there's absolutely no reason to not think that they can claw their way back into this.
0: I think it has to be something like 20 points to really, really write City off. And I, and I agree. I, to be honest, if I'm being honest, I, I do think Arsenal will have the vibes of title winners this year. And, I, I, you know, I'm thinking that perhaps it could be there. Yeah, I don't know if this is me trying to jinx them, but I think to properly write city off it has to be closer to 20 points than sort of 13 because I still think that's that's doable especially with those two uh, two games that you mentioned um alex this this chelsea game this midweek chelsea game um it has to be the the moment doesn't it for City? They can't afford any more disappointing results. There was a big World Cup in the middle of the the season, which is sort of. I, I, I almost wonder if the the Brentford game had come sandwich. Sorry, the Leeds game had come sandwiched in between the Brentford defeat and the Everton draw. If this sort of. I don't know if I'm being hyperbolic, crisis talk would have been blown completely out of proportion. I think that World Cup has possibly saved that from happening a little bit. Um Chelsea has to, if not anything else, if not the result, because it, it will be a difficult game as we'll get to, but there has to be an improved performance quite simply, doesn't there?
1: Oh, yeah. Um I mean, you know, it's, it's Chelsea at the end of the day and they've not had a great season so far. But as long as the performance is significantly better than what we've, we've seen in, you know, Obviously, Leeds away was good, but uh, Brentford before the World Cup, and then and then Everton a few days ago. You know, against Chelsea, you might have to take a draw. Um, they're a, they are a good team despite their struggles. So, as long as the performance is is good and there's a significant improvement, um, then I think that will be a positive. But ultimately, if uh, obviously this is uh, we're recording this before um, Arsenal's game, so if uh, we'll see how that goes, but. You know, regardless of how Arsenal get on against Newcastle, um, you know, City really... I don't want to say it's must-win because it's probably not. You know, we've still got over the half of the season to go, but it will be a pretty sticky-looking situation if if City are to drop further points and and Arsenal were to win. Um, And, you know, it's it's kind of a weird one because we have seen good performances. You know, I thought City were pretty good away at Leeds. Um, Yeah, perhaps it wasn't always the dynamic sort of... uh, breathless performance that some City fans like to see but it was it was a game that had a lot of control in it and perhaps until Leeds got their goal back and then um sort of almost came back into it but um the same approach didn't really wield the results against uh or yield the results against Everton so hopefully uh they can get the three points in this one against Chelsea because it you know each time they drop points it is getting more difficult because as you said Arsenal just don't really look like slipping up so far and haven't really since well, their only loss was against United, wasn't it? Since then they've they've just mm. sort of kept going and going and drawn one and then just won all the rest. So um yeah, the City do really need to get this one.
0: Yeah, remarkable record. Um I speak for yourself, but after my sort of couple of weeks of Christmas eating and drinking, anything I do at the moment is breathless, let alone watching City. Um <laughs> Adam, um Stanford Bridge has, in the past, hasn't it, been, as I mentioned in the introduction, the birthplace of many a City title charge. Usually it's come earlier on in the season. I'm thinking last year, or so what would have been now, because we're in 2023, two years ago, but last season... The 1-0 victory, Gabriel Jesus squeezing one pass, it just felt like it was never going to happen there. Obviously it did. And then similarly, in the in the 2017-18 Centurions campaign, Kevin De Bruyne, a masterclass, one of the all-time, sort of for me anyway, one of the all-time best Premier League performances. Third-time lucky, I suppose, or third-time unlucky, perhaps, City know how to get it done away at at Chelsea. And I think the last sort of maybe 18 months under Thomas Tuchel sort of clouded the judgment a little bit as to how City uh, went against Chelsea. The the, the obvious one would be the Champions League final, but there was an FA Cup semi-final defeat in there. You remember as well, City could have won the league at home to Chelsea, they didn't. Apart from that, without any real statistics to back it up, I feel like City often have Chelsea's number. And I reckon that squad, after the disappointment against Everton, will be relishing Stamford Bridge and looking to make a statement more than anything else.
3: Yeah, certainly in the Pep era I feel like we've kind of had their number. Um and I think you're I think you're forgetting one in there. The the birth the birthday, the original birth of the City False 9 was in the empty season uh empty stadium season yeah. at Stamford Bridge. Yeah. Um was that which, which
0: masterclass if I remember rightly. Yeah, right, would, like.
3: which spurred on City's title run that year. So, yeah, it seems like a place where um runs get started and and we'll hope that that happens again and obviously Chelsea are kind of in a weird place at the moment feels like they're still sort of transitioning into the Graham Potter era. Uh, and it's been a bit bumpy. We've seen, you know, good moments. We've seen bad moments. Um, but obviously we do know they have a ton of individual quality as as any Chelsea team will have in the modern era. So um, there'll be plenty for Chelsea to have to to hurt City. But I think City, like you said, will see this as an opportunity to make a statement, go away to a big six rival, go away to a team that is competing for, you know, a top four spot and, and wants to be competing for, th- for bigger things than that. And if you go there and you get three points, um, then it's kind of a reminder of, you know, we're, we're not going away. And, um, you know, Arsenal can kind of be looking over their shoulders at the, what, four times in the last five season title winners. So, hmm. um, yeah, it's definitely, it's weird to think that going away to a big six team there's never a great time to do it, um, but it feels like it could be a good time to go and get a result. But if you go in and you don't get a result and you have a similar similarly stale performance that you did against Everton, then you'd be looking at it and say, oh, it's really rough timing to go, mm-hmm. to go away to Chelsea when we're still trying to figure things out. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'd say I'm optimistic about it just because you said it's been a happy hunting ground in the past. So I'm, I'm kind of holding on to that.
0: Um, on top of that, Alex, to round off this part one, not only is it a really important game in terms of the league, its I feel like I've said this for the last couple of weeks since, since the World Cup started, but but obviously on the back of the Everton result, it's the starting point of an incredibly difficult run, isn't it? And it, it obviously it falls at the start of a new year, which is nice sort of organisation-wise, but when you're looking at the fixture list all the way up to... You know, even that first leg in the against RB Leipzig in the Champions League round of sixteen. There's two games against Tottenham. There's that grudge match against Arsenal at the Emirates Stadium. There's a Manchester derby at Old Trafford. Two matches, both in consecutive um, in consecutive games against Chelsea. One in the League One, in the FA Cup. Is it too simplistic to say this period between now and sort of mid February, late February, is make or break in terms of City's? campaign really you could find yourself out of some of the domestic cup competitions you could find yourself double points behind the league leaders and you know everyone expects it to go to Leipzig and get a comfortable result but last time it happened albeit under mitigating circumstances City lost in Leipzig so it really is maybe cliche to say but it is a season defining couple of weeks for the Blues
1: yeah, I'd agree. I mean, it is a bit of a cliche, but I think it's true because you, if you come out of the other end of this, you know, with not taking as many points as you can against Chelsea and United and Spurs, difficult game against Villa as well in, in February, um, you know, the way that Arsenal are going, they could, in the league anyway, they could be sort of uh, miles in front by that point if, um, if City come through this difficult run without without a decent point at all. And as you say, it's the two different cup competitions. If the league is going to prove beyond City, then, you know, to have a trophyless season, I mean, it's it's not even sort of worth thinking about, but, you know, the, the start of the season and all the sort of mm. the excitement with Erling Haaland um, to sort of come out of this, maybe not in the domestic cups or struggling in the Champions League, that's not really, it's just going to be such a disappointment, isn't it? So I think... Um, it really is a tough, sort of tough uh, run of games, but I think it it is probably make or break because we'll see in February, you know, mid-February, if things haven't gone well, then City could really be in a bad position in each competition that they're in. Uh, and as we know, City always set out to try and go as far as they can in all four competitions. So it is, um, it probably is the most important sort of period of the season, I'd say.
0: Yeah, yeah, certainly. And that's a that's a good place to wrap part 1. We'll be back in a moment to speak about team selection ahead of the game at Stamford Bridge. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. I'm joined by Adam and Alex. Um we don't usually do it this way, Adam, but but today I think considering the news around team selection, considering the noise around Pep Guardiola's picks in his starting eleven and whatnot, we're going to run through it quite methodically. We're going to go position by position, and we're going to try and build what we think is the the ideal starting eleven for this game against Chelsea. Um, I assume not even you, master of the hot take, so far in twenty twenty three, are going to say that Edison is going to be dropped. I think it's uh, is it something like two of the last two shots on target, City have both conceded, or maybe even a few more going back to Liverpool game. I don't think there's any worries around him at the moment. Do you agree? Agreed. Yeah, fantastic. Um, So let's start with the defence then. I think one of the main talking points, Adam, Walker, Cancelo, Rico Lewis, Sergio Gomez, do you remember him? Jesus. Um, Who are you starting as as your two full-backs?
3: Um, before I give position by position, anyone who's listened knows, I am absolutely desperate for city to just get back to their kind of fundamental style of play, which is high and wide fullbacks or high and wide wingers. Um, so given that information, my two fullbacks are Kyle Walker and Drow Cancelo. And look, it's worth, it's worth pointing out. We don't know what's going on in training. We don't know who's fully fit. We don't know who is considered you know kind of um in a good mood by pep um Mm. so i'm kind of basing this based off of pure footballing ability and purely who i want to see in the team which is a little bit hard to do because there are some issues with players in the squad at the moment um which is why i think we saw rico lewis play two games in you know three days um but at the moment, just to get back to doing what City do best, I think it's got to be Kyle Walker and Jao Cancelo.
0: Alex, it, it's probably despite as well as he's played, particularly that Leeds game, Everton. You know, bit shaky, came off midway through, could have done better, but. At the same time, he's still only a very young teenager. It's difficult to see Rico Lewis starting a game away at Stamford Bridge, isn't it? And I think that'd be the ultimate sort of display of trust for Guardiola. And I think it would probably indicate more problems than we, on the surface, realise with this current sort of the 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 news around body language. Louis and I went and went through and sort of dissected that in yesterday's show. So go back and listen to that one. But big game. You're looking at your most experienced players. Kyle Walker's been there and done it before. A few fitness concerns, okay, but he's going to have to start playing sometime. Cancelo, a few form concerns. What a better place to to put that right than Stamford Bridge?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I probably wouldn't have any concerns of starting um, Rico Lewis at, at Stamford Bridge in terms of you know he's he's clearly he's probably he's clearly got a, a head on his shoulders, which is much much older and and sort of um, able to cope with pressure than he's than his age would suggest. But, you know, he has started the last two games. Um, I feel like we should probably see Walker come back in um, sort of for this game. You know, as you said, you kind of want your most sort of experience for, not just because it's Chelsea, because, you know, Leeds is a very hard place to go. And I thought Lewis was superb, but there's probably now more riding on this. Like City really do need to get a win. Um, So I think... And perhaps Walker would offer a bit more in terms of uh I know Chelsea do tend to be more of a possession team, but against City are they gonna maybe look to sort of hit City on the transition a bit more and they've got, you know, they've got a lot of pace in that attack, haven't they? So this could be one to see Walker come back in. Uh, and I personally like to see Jacques come mm. back in as well. because uh, I think City have been sort of missing his quality. As good as Nathan Ake is at filling on, on the left, um, at left back, I just think, you know, yes. Cancelo doesn't offer natural width, but neither does Ake, really. And I just think Cancelo, he wasn't in great form just before the World Cup. He didn't have a good World Cup either. But I think you just got to bring him back in now and let him, you know, he's had his time to sort of stew on the sidelines, hasn't he? So just get him back in and uh, <laughs> if there's a game if there's a game for him to kind of show his quality, this will be it. So I think I'll uh, I'll be boring and agree with Adam on that one.
0: Yeah, a cancello stew. I don't know what'd be in that. Maybe some nice sort of Portuguese fish and a, and a few tomatoes. Nice. I don't know. Um right. Centre half then, centre half. Um quickly, if we may. John Stones, a yes from both of you, I'm assuming. City's most informed and, and probably best centre half if I'm allowed to say that. Who partners who, sorry, who partners him um for you then, Adam?
3: Nathan Ake. Nathan and I don't Ake. think it's I don't think it's close. Given that Diaz and Laporte aren't fit um, at the peak of their powers, I'd probably choose one of them. But at the moment, I think Nathan Ake is City's best centre back.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I thought he had a really good game, obviously out of position, and that's not really his fault against Everton. But on those on those transitions, I, I just find it sort of. I love watching just how easily he is manages to sweep up and keep possession. Obviously John Stones on the right hand side does that as well. Um Alex any any debate there? A- Akanji is the other name obviously from this list of center hearts who are fit. Does he get in over Aké for you or is it again a nice
1: simple agreement with Alex?
0: Uh, with Adam, sorry, me.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'd go with Aké. Um I think I don't think Akanji's been quite at the level he was in the sort of uh, first couple couple of months he was at City. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, that's not to say. I've seen some pretty wild reaction on Twitter saying like, oh, this is the real sort of a Kanji now. But he's not really made any massive errors or anything. I just think, I think, yeah, he's not been quite at the level. But Ake's been really good, had a good World Cup. Um, and I'd always marginally favour a, a left footer and a right footer at centre-back. So um, I'd go with Ake, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, especially if your left back's right-footed as well. It's a, a very sort of one-dimensional back line. If you if you're playing three right footers across that, sorry, four right right footers. Of course, um, I agree with you. I think it, it it's hard to pass judgment on a Kanji properly because I, 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 he's he started so well. It was only natural his his um, performances were going to drop off. He has plateaued a little bit, and he's sort of you know. He's, he wasn't going to go on and go and challenge Beckenbauer for the greatest centre-back of all time. But at the same time, he's still a, he's a superb addition and, and a very good squad player. So, yeah, and again, this is very simple, agreeing with you, Nathan Ake, John Stones at the back. Right, OK, <laughs> this is where it might heat up a little bit. Um, Adam, three midfielders, I'm guessing, we're going with the four three three. For me, Kevin De Bruyne had one of the worst performances I've not only seen from him, but in terms of a general City player of all time against Everton, it was catastrophically bad to the to the point where he was struggling to stay on his feet at some point. However, it takes a a, a braver and a bolder man than me to drop him, doesn't it?
3: Uh, I think he is far, far, far past undroppable status. I think yeah. he could have 10 stinkers yeah. in a row and he doesn't get dropped.
0: So who, who plays alongside him for you then?
3: Uh, Rodri of course at the base Kevin De Bruyne and for me it's Ilkay Gundogan um okay if if this was fifa and human emotions mm-hmm. didn't come into it and and personalities and off field issues bernardo silva is an undroppable player for me especially in games against big 6 teams mm-hmm. um but i think i think there is a reason that we're not seeing him much since the world cup and that's because yeah. There is the kind of underlying issue of of you know him wanting a move away, and obviously with the interview this week that you and Louis touched on on, on yesterday's episode, um, I think you just you've got to start Gunduan at the moment, and that's and that's no disrespect to saying that Gunduan is only in because Bernardo Silva isn't. He's a fantastic player, and I think the team has been better with with him in it this year. And I mm-hmm. think players like De Bruyne and players like Holland benefit from Gunduan in there because of the runs that he makes and, and the space that he occupies. So. Um yeah that that midfield 3 is is by far the best option for me right now.
0: Yeah yeah totally again totally agree I'm sounding a bit like Nick Clegg here that's a, a niche 2010s political reference for anyone who gets it but um, I agree with Adam, um, but for me, Gundogan this season, especially with Haaland playing, is operated as a really effective second striker. You know, he, we associate Gundogan traditionally with this sort of silky midfield play, and he's, he's done enough of that, but his arrival into the box really helped City, and it helped City when they were playing a false nine, it helps City when they're playing um, a centre-forward. I think Julian Alvarez did a fantastic job of that role as well when they started together in that sort of like auxiliary 4-4-2. Alex, is it another nod of the head? Can you make a case for Bernardo or is it a case of us three quite amicably getting along and agreeing that, <laughs> yeah, Gunduan again goes with Rodri and Kevin De Bruyne? Uh,
1: I can't. Mm, it's I can see both sides, but for the... I don't know. I think I'd be tempted to go with Bernardo, um,
2: okay. which
1: it's hard because it's hard to tell how in terms of removing the sort of human element, which obviously... You know Guardiola can't and can't do that, uh, and he'll he'll know kind of as Adam said before, like what the mood is and how each individual is doing and how what sort of Bernardo's sort of uh, state is in his head and that kind of thing. Um, but I just think that in an ideal world, yes, Gundogan, you know, is better at sort of dictating tempo. But I think in a game against a team like Chelsea, where might look to play a little bit more on the break perhaps than they usually do um given that City will probably have most of the ball I think Bernardo just does offer that a little bit more than Gundogan in terms of um his kind of mobility and ability to get back and sort of you know scrap all over the pitch and yes Gundogan's brilliant making those runs into the box um but I also think in attack you know Bernardo can offer a bit more width especially um you know when Grealish is playing on the left wing, the uh, the left wing and the left side of number eight can kind of interchange, and I think that could mm. be something that would um, maybe. I don't think City have, have had a particular issue with narrowness in the last few games, but you know it'll it will, it'll will always help to sort of have that extra option there. So I think I'll uh, I'll go with Bernardo for this one. I'll
0: pick you up on that straight away, then Alex, and, and ask you. With your Bernardo pick, are you sticking with the the current wide forwards we've seen in the last couple of games? Obviously, Grealish and Mahrez have started. What is it? Is it three of the last three or is it t- certainly two of the last three? I, don't, I can't quite remember if they started against Liverpool. I have a feeling they probably did. Or, no, Grealish didn't, did he? Yeah. Um, I'm getting myself
3: worked off there. There was anyway. Morris Palmer in that game.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, another similarly uh, dynamic English-born forward. So it's two of the last two. Are you, are you sticking with them? Or is the clamour, like it did in the World Cup for Gareth Southgate, going to pay off on Pep Guardiola? And is Phil Foden <laughs> going to make his much-anticipated return
1: to starting Uh I mean, if it was down to me, I think, well, I'd start Grealish because I think he's been playing pretty well. And I was impressed how he recovered from uh, that sort of horrendous first half at Leeds. Because um, I thought he was, I mean, I thought he was generally good in the first half against Leeds, but obviously he just missed those uh, those chances mm-hmm. um, yeah. and then responded well, I thought. Uh, against Everton, I thought he was good in spells, but like the rest of the team, second half was quite uninspiring and they just couldn't work a, a sort of an opening but then we did see as soon as Foden came on against uh, Everton you know his first touch of the ball we saw him sort of taking on uh, I think it was a Wolbie at the right wing back position and he just seemed to open up Everton more than anyone else could um so i think i'd go with grealish and foden don't know if that's what pep is going to do he might opt for the sort of more controlled approach we've seen um especially with the sort of dynamic threats that chelsea have but yeah, as a City fan, I'd like to see Foden get back in the starting eleven. Um, so I think I would go with, and that's not to say that you know I think Group Mares sometimes he comes in for uh, comes in for unwarranted flak sometimes, um, and I don't think he's particularly deserving of of dropping out. But I'd I'd go with uh, Grealish and Foden for this one. Um,
0: Adam, over the weekend you sent me what you described as your. What was the what was the term? like the the eleven I would start every single game if everyone was fit. Probably a lot more sort of articulate than that. But in that you didn't have a Mister a Mister Grealish. You did have much to the contrary opinion of some City fans online. A Mister Mares with a Mister Foden alongside him. Is that the partnership you want to see on City's wings on Friday night? Did, did I not and, have Grealish? You I, you had Mares. I can pull it up now if you want. You had you had Mars yes the right. Uh, I'll, I'll ex-
3: Yeah, I'll explain myself for that. I do remember that. Um that's because I still believe that we are doing Jack Grealish a disservice by putting him into a situation in which it's obvious he's not gonna thrive in. Yeah. Um yeah. and until exactly. we have uh, the means to put him into the situation that he's gonna thrive in, he's gonna continue to be a bit part player in most games unless he really, really um plays well, which he does often. Um, so yeah, at the moment, if everyone's fit, I would go Marez and Foden the issue. And and for me, this is perfect because on the right hand side with Kyle Walker overlapping Mares, you've got that combination of width and an inside forward on the left hand side. Cancelo can cut inside and Foden can go wide and and hug the touchline. So you've got the ability to stretch the pitch and play into the half spaces, which is what city have done so well at for basically all of Pep Guardiola's tenure. Um, So that's what I would probably do in this ideal fantasy tactics world. However, on form, um, I do think that the Grealish, a front three of Grealish, Holland, Foden has been the best front three that we've seen this season for me. The best city performances have come with that front three With a combination of Kyle Walker on the right and Cancelo on the left. So I think that's what I would go with. Um, But that was my reasoning for not having Grealish in my kind of best 11 at the moment because we don't have the fullbacks to essentially give him the freedom that he deserves.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's sort of been the drum we've been banging all year, and it's it's we will we will cover um, Sergio Gomez's sort of omission from the squad, and whether or not, especially in the January window, whether or not a loan could potentially be on the cards. But it is a shame that that hasn't really materialized because we all felt like in the summer. Jack Grealish would have been paying the the transfer fee for a recognised left back himself. Um, finally, then lads, is anyone going to make a case for dropping Erling Haaland? I think we're sort of twenty one goals in the Premier League. I think we can sort of agree that he he'll, he'll probably start. So so that is that is our our combined starting eleven. Just the one, I think it was um, difference in opinion, Bernardo and Gundogan, but. Let's face it, it's not going to look anything like that at Stamford Bridge on Thursday night. There's going to be players all over the shot. We're probably going to be There's going to be about play. seven
3: centre-backs in that 11, yeah, I can guarantee yeah. it. We <laughs> yeah. don't yeah, even have seven in the squad, but they'll two be Two of uh, them
0: playing, yeah. No, they'll find some from the UDS. <laughs> um, right, okay. Alex, thank you very much.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.
0: And Adam, thank you very much
3: good day to you sir
0: good day to you that's a little bit of Aussie from the American um and thank you very much for me we'll see you later make sure you're geared up for Man City's end of season running with McDelivery great food delivered right to your door By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running. And just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold
2: up.